all God's craftsmanship, his handiwork. We are vessels he molds for his glory, for his work, and he is making all things new. He is redeeming all things, and he is restoring hope, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness in us. He is resurrecting our former broken and sullied lives into lives worth living, lives worthy of his name, lives transformed by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. In short, we are who he says we are. You, me, us, we, we are. We are resurrection people. Well, hey there, church. I want to welcome all of you across the network. It is super good for my soul to be with you, pursuing and chasing God. I never get tired of how God shows up in the worship of his people as we chase him, how he ministers to us, as we pursue him, how he moves in cool ways and powerful ways. In fact, we're still processing the ripple out of Easter. God moved powerfully, and I'm super grateful for what he did and what he is doing. And if you're someone who responded to Jesus on Easter or maybe responded afterwards since that time, but you have not let us know, I really want to encourage you to take the time to do that, to let us know. You can use the card that's available to you in a seat back near, next to you or in front of you just to let us know because we want to celebrate with you, but also put resources in your hand that help you just run this greatest adventure you can ever be on, the journey of walking in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We want to give you a Bible if you need one, just walk with you. So fill this thing out, throw it in an offering bucket later as it goes by. And if you're someone who, who responded to Jesus on Easter and you let us know already, we've contacted and interacted with many of you. But if, if we've not yet connected with you, I appreciate your patience. Because we've not just been dealing with the ripples of Easter, we've been dealing with the ripples of the mighty Mississippi recently. <laughs> and, and there's an update in your note guide that we prepared a couple days ago that you can check out. But I actually want to take a moment now to update you on just give you a bit more about the journey to this point. You see, many of you know that in 2017, we as a church committed to pursuing a number of bold moves. Things that positioned us to love and serve the people of our cities in the name and authority of Jesus. And so it led us into new spaces and places and different expressions, so into schools and prisons. And, and, and one particular space was the acquisition of the former Kone building, uh, which is now called Bridgepoint. And so after uh, uh, more than a year of prayer and fasting, we collectively moved towards securing this building that sits right along the Mississippi. It's an eclectic, really cool building with an iconic tower. It's right next to the existing I-74 bridge and right beside the new I-74 bridge. And so after that more than a year of prayer and fasting, we stepped into acquiring it and, and for the last year and a half have been refurbishing, re refurbishing and repurposing and retrofitting the spaces there, making great progress, even moving tenants into that space who would come alongside and help us serve the cities. Really, it's a center of collaboration with space for lots of other organizations to be in there. However, over the last month, with the longest and deepest flood on record, we've actually experienced a, a flooding incident in that space. And I want to show you a couple pictures from that. Uh, it, it's sad, it's hard, it's disappointing. Even though we had extensive flood mitigation and plans with HESCO barriers, flood walls, and countless sandbags, 
and lots of valiant effort from volunteers and work crews and all kinds of people, uh, our mitigation process was overcome uh, earlier this past week. And I just want to give you some frame of reference for what actually happened in that space, because it wasn't a levee breach. Our levee is still solid. It's still holding. It just has water on both sides right now. Uh, but what actually happened was, even though we had HESCO barriers or flood walls set up and a levee system in place, we actually, in our initial kind of post-mortem, have recognized that the water we were dealing with didn't come directly out of the river over the levee. It came from our adjoining properties in, in two specific areas and ways. One was directly under the new I-74 bridge construction inside the levee. It wrapped down and around along our east side and around the bottom of our barrier and then ended up in underneath the existing I-74 bridge. Along with that is a pipe, an open pipe drainage system that was also contributing to that water. So as that water was allowed to run, it gathered down under the existing 74 bridge. With rain and the high river waters, there was also another primary source that came out of the, the city storm drains, and, and particularly around 19th Street and 2nd Avenue, water started pouring through on Monday and has continued since down into the same space. So what ended up happening was this area underneath I-74 became essentially a catch basin for all that water. And over time, despite the valiant efforts of many in that space, on Tuesday, it breached over the interior barriers and flooded the property. Now again, it's sad, <laughs> it's disappointing, but we're also grateful because no one was hurt and everyone's safe. There was some property damage and we're still looking at what that might look like, but it flooded. And, and quite honestly, it's been quite a week for us and many people in the Quad Cities. The, the longest and deepest flood on record. I actually um, shared on social media some of the tensions I find myself sitting in. Because through the course of this week, I could see, I could see beauty and I could see brokenness. I, I could see blessing and tragedy simultaneously. I could see strength and weakness, living in tension. I could see the, the gravity of the situation, but also have gratitude. Because again, no one was hurt seriously and, and everyone's safe. It's been this weird hardship and hope tension a space where we have seen the unrelenting power of the mighty Mississippi at the same time, the insurmountable peace of God. I've found myself in moments this week wanting to weep and other moments actually doing so. But not out of despair, just out of sorrow, out of lament, not out of fear or worry. Because we serve a God who works all things for the good of those who love him, and we do. So I know he will. And so we're trusting even in the midst of tragedy. And one of the scriptures that has actually helped me keep perspective this week comes from Psalm 93. I just want to share it with you. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted up their pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. My friends, he is mightier. And I am super grateful for you and your prayers and support, your generosity, your sacrifice, as many in the Quad Cities have been dealing with this complexity. You know, as the Church of Jesus, we care what happens in our cities. As one church in multiple locations, this affects us all. And many of you have been asking what you can do, how you can help. And the most straightforward, easiest answer is to pray and give as God leads you. See, we're going to take some time to understand what it's going to take to 
recover and restore. We need the water to recede, the space to dry out so we can inspect it. And after inspections and only after that can we begin to fix and repair. But I want to assure you, we're going to rally. We're going to continue to do whatever God asks us to do. This project has never been our project. It's been his. It's always been his. We've just been entrusted to steward it. So we're going to continue to do that. Stewarding it under the, the graciousness and mercy of an almighty God who is mightier. So my invitation and ask for you is that you pray and give as the Lord leads. And you can give through any of the regular heritage giving mechanisms, or you can specifically go right to heritageqc.com and click the banner and the Donate Now tab, and it'll take you to a PayPal account that'll allow you to give directly to the recovery and restoration process. Or you can take your smartphone and text FLOOD to 309-517-0680. Really easy way to give whatever the Lord leads you to give in the process of moving back onto mission and onto task. So I invite you and ask you to give as the Lord leads, but also to pray. And specifically, I want to invite you to pray four ways. To pray first that the waters recede quickly. Pray and ask that God would move those waters back faster than anybody expects. But then also pray that the rain would hold off. Rain adds complexity to the dynamic we're working through. And if the rain would hold off, that would be incredibly helpful. Also pray that God would bring glory to himself through this. That, that he would bring beauty from ashes. That he would work good, all things for good, for his glory. But then also pray for others in the Quad Cities who are affected. We're not the only ones dealing with this complexity. And some are dealing with it in much greater dynamic than we are. So I simply want to invite you to pray and then give as the Lord leads. There'll be more information to come. There will be more needs and opportunities to serve in physical, tangible ways down the road. But for now, I invite you to pray and give as the Lord leads. Those resources will be needed along the way. But what I want to do now before we step into our message, the rest of our message time, is just to take a moment to pray. To come before the throne confidently in the name of Jesus together as a church. And to pray for these things and just ask the one who is mightier to move for his glory. So I invite you all across the network, take whatever prayer posture you like. I'm just going to kneel down right here. And we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer, praying to the one who is mightier. So would you join me? Heavenly Father, our Lord and God and King, you are mightier. You proved that in what we celebrated two weeks ago, that first Easter, conquering sin and death. You are mightier. You're mightier than anything we face in life, any complexity, any trouble, any hardship, any pain. You're, you're mightier, and you are the one we look to. We fix our eyes on you. We, we lean into you, and we ask you to move. Father, I pray that you would cause the waters to recede quickly, you'd pull them back. You set waters in place. You give them boundaries. I pray that you would cause them to recede quickly in a way that people recognize your hand. I pray that you would hold back the rain as well, Lord, to limit the complexity, allow the sun to shine, and allow the water to dry up. I pray also, Father, that you would minister to all affected by this season of record flooding, the longest and deepest that we've ever had. I you can show up in those spaces, you can provide, you can minister. And I pray, Lord, that the result of this would be people leaning into you, that they would sense not only your provision, but your presence. And they would understand and know you as mighty God, even amidst tragedy. You are the redeemer. You're, you're the one that raises dead things back to life. 
and you work all things for the good of those who love you. So I pray you'd show up and demonstrate that in really practical ways to all affected by the flooding and the waters. And I pray that in the end, all of this, Lord, would bring you glory. I pray that our response, our words, our actions would bring you honor and glory. I pray that you would receive praise and glory for, for you alone are worthy. You give, you take away, blessed be your name, O Lord. So as we go through this next season, may we continue to align our hearts and minds to you, stay in step with you as you go before. And may, may we overcome, Lord, in your name. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So, my friends, we will overcome. We will rise in the name of Jesus. This is a journey for us. We'll keep you informed and bring you along as we keep learning and understanding next steps in this journey. But uh, it's really interesting for me because prior to the flooding and preparing for this message, I actually came across a quote that seems all the more fitting. It, it simply is this, that, that we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. I mean, that quote is strong. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. It makes tons of sense for me, and it's fitting. I mean, we, we can sense and see and feel the realities of a Good Friday world, a broken world, but yet we are Easter people marked with life and hope. Easter people in a Good Friday world. We know our world is marked by loss and sickness and brokenness and, and floods, yet it's because of Jesus that we have hope. It's because of Jesus that we actually are people of the resurrection. This is actually the conversation we're having that Pastor Josh kicked off for us last week, that we are resurrection people. The reality is what we celebrated at Easter actually positions us to celebrate something else, that, that we have access to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We are resurrection people, as long as we understand how that whole thing works. So let me just go back for a second and kind of talk you through the realities of the journey to this point through our I Am series and where we're stepping further in our We Are journey. Because we all know that there are things that were, things in the past. And we, we know that there are things that will be, things in the future. The reality is that we all live here. We live in the now, and the now is a Good Friday world. Brokenness, sadness, pain, and complexity. But because of the resurrection, we can be resurrection people even amidst the realities of a Good Friday world. We saw very clearly in our I Am series that Jesus wasn't just someone who came, not just someone who was, and not just somebody who will be when he comes back. He came and he is going to come back. But the reality is he also is now. He is alive now. And because he is, because he is alive, because he is risen, because he is empowered as a risen Lord, because he is whole, the reality is because he is, we are. That's the fact. Because he is, we are. Or at least we can. We can if we lean into the realities of being resurrection people. Because he is, we can. We, listen, we have the option and ability to become people of the resurrection. Because he is, we are. That's actually your first feeling if you're using your note guide today. Because he is, we are. We are positioned with the ability to live in life and fullness, the ability to overcome and prevail against all kinds of dynamics and complexities and difficulties. We are resurrection people, empowered in love, 
in, in obedience, in self-control, you name it. We're positioned to overcome. Because he is, we are. Now again, what we celebrated at Easter positions us to celebrate that. We have access to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's mind-blowing, my friends. Because he is, we are. We actually can. We are resurrection people. And this this isn't like my idea. We didn't just come up with this. This comes right out of Scripture. Romans chapter 8. Check this out. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Do you hear what this is saying? The same spirit that raised Jesus can be within us. Listen, the same spirit then, the same spirit that raised Jesus that first Easter is the same spirit now that's available to us. It's the same. It's not similar. It's the same. It's not limited. It's not throttled. It's not half. It's the same. The same spirit then is the same spirit now, which is why we can be people of the resurrection the same all-powerful spirit that raised a dead man to life is accessible to us through a relationship with God through Jesus. So it's the same spirit then, the same spirit now, but hear me, there's this within component. It resides and lives within us through Jesus when we receive him as Savior. So by Holy Spirit, we're empowered. There's an empowerment component. It's the same spirit then, same spirit now, but by Holy Spirit, we are empowered. So we have access and we have ability now, you just consider this for a moment. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he actually hung out with his disciples a couple times. And one time he was hanging out with them before he headed off to heaven. And he says something that's captured in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. These are the words of Jesus. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, shows up to his disciples. He's hanging out with them. He says, you guys need to hang here until this spirit, the same spirit that raised me, comes. And that same spirit will empower you. And the same spirit that raised him can empower us. That's stinking awesome. No matter what we face, we can prevail and overcome. But we have to understand how, how it works. Look, as a kid, I had a faith in God. And I be- it allowed me to believe that he existed. I had a faith in Jesus that allowed me to ask him to be Savior and Lord. And I believed that I could be forgiven and receive the gift of life and the promise of life eternal in heaven. That was my faith. But as good and true and right as that was, it was rooted in what was and will be alone. That he came and he's coming back. It was legit. But it was missing the middle. It's, it was missing the now. Because, and there's more to the fact than that he came and he's coming back. The spirit is available now. The same spirit that raised Jesus then is available now and empowers us even now. When we understand the dynamics and how to lean fully into the reality that it gives us power today. And it's not a spirit of worry or fear or anxiety. It's totally the opposite. Check this out, 2 Timothy. This is talking about the spirit. That God gave us a spirit, the same spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
Woohoo! That's great. We like that. In fact, I think we get love and self-control. Like, oh, that's good because God is love. We're supposed to love. And self-control, like we're supposed to stop sinning when we walk with God. Okay, that's great. But what's the deal with the power thing? Like, why power? It's dunamis power. Why power? It's because it's by the power that our faith becomes mature and full. It's by that power that we overcome trouble, that we resist temptation, that we prevail against loss and hardship and floods. Listen, when, when we ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord, it doesn't mean that we end up with a life with no difficulty, that it's problem-free and trouble-free. That, that's, that's not what happens. It, it doesn't mean we receive Jesus that we don't have hardship or pain or loss. What it means is when those things come, we can overcome. Then whenever that stuff bumps into our life, whenever it crests over the barriers that we've got in place, we can still overcome. Because he is a risen Lord. Not just was and will be, he actually is. When those things come, we can overcome. Because we are empowered by the one who is mightier. Mightier than any pain or hardship you've experienced. Mightier than any habit or addiction you've struggled to break free of. Mightier than any mistakes or poor choices. Mightier than any sickness or illness. Whenever or whatever God orchestrates or allows in our life, he always positions us to be empowered to overcome. When we have a relationship with God through Jesus, we are empowered to overcome by the same spirit that raised him from the dead. That's incredible. We can be victorious. We can prevail. But understand something about this idea that we can prevail. We will never prevail because we're able. It's not about our strength. It's not about our ability. It's not about our skills. We will never prevail because we are able, but because we are available, because we are willing. Because whenever we position ourselves in a space where by faith, by trust in the one who is, then we are, then we can be. Whenever we're positioned by faith in Jesus, we are able to prevail. The very reason he came and lived and died and rose again was to position us for God and to God. And that's when we can prevail. It's not about being able. It's about being available and willing. And hear me. God never imparts his power for our purpose. Only his. So that positions us to live a faith for him. An empowered faith for him. We're empowered by the same spirit that raised Jesus. It is not just about transforming us. Not just the things that are done in us. Where we're set free from addiction. Set free from the change of sin. We're set free from brokenness. We're healed from the garbage of this Good Friday world. It's not just the internal stuff, it's the external reality. The Holy Spirit empowers us for greater things, for things beyond ourselves. And remember, we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world, so there's a lot to be done by resurrection people. People who bring life and hope into spaces that lack it. Look, if you have a Bible, I'd love you to grab it and turn to the book of James. James chapter 2, it's after the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have that up here on the screen. But as you're turning, I just want to frame something even Josh spoke to last week as he kicked off our series. James 
is actually the brother of Jesus. He's the little brother of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, just as Josh acknowledged last week, it is this, the fact that James is the little brother of Jesus is the most convincing truth to me that Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know about you, I am a little brother. I have one older brother, he's two years older than me, his name is Jim. I have loved him fiercely, but I have also fought him fiercely. I have fought with him and I have fought for him. Uh, whenever it was just the two of us, we fought each other. Whenever it was with the neighbor kids, we fought for each other. Nobody messes with us, we would fight for, but then it was just us, we would fight with. I don't know if it's that way for you with your siblings, but that was the way it was for me and my brother Jim. Now listen, as a little brother, it would take a lot for me to believe that my older brother rose from the dead and was Messiah. <laughs> but hear me. James, the little brother of Jesus, believed in who his older brother was. Through all of his weight behind the cause of Christ, his conviction and commitment to who Jesus was would lead him to die a martyr's death. I'm going to tell you, that for me is the most convincing proof that Jesus rose. There are a lot of other convincing proofs, but for me, as a little brother, for James, the little brother, to believe, that's huge. Maybe that helps you tip over into believing that he is, and therefore you can. But what we're about to read was written by that little brother who believed. And we're picking up in James 2, verse 14, and he's speaking about empowered faith, uh, faith empowered by Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And we're going to drop down to verse 24. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in that passage, and I encourage you to go back on your own time, dig down in there to understand the tension between faith and deeds, faith and works. But I want to be really clear about something, so clear I've made it the next fill-in to, to preserve the clarity of what I'm about to say. Hear me. Faith alone saves. Faith alone. Belief in, surrender to, yielding to, trust in Jesus alone saves. It is just Jesus. It is not Jesus plus something else that saves. Faith alone saves. But hear me, that saving faith is never alone. Faith alone saves, but that saving faith is never alone. Genuine, mature, full faith, true faith will always be linked, be linked to a practical expression of the faith at work. To believe is great. That's where it all starts. That where, that's where it needs to begin. But that faith, when genuine, will always lead to action. Always lead to an external expression. That's one reason why Holy Spirit empowers us. Because it's not just about the work that the Spirit of God does in us. It's also about the work the Spirit of God wants to do through us. 
specific, tangible things, good works in our community. That's why when Jesus says, look, the Spirit's going to come, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, locally, regionally, internationally, to the very ends of the earth. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is, is never alone. It comes with investment and practical application in our lives. And, and if your faith doesn't have that, it's lacking. It's missing a primary component of fullness. Because he is, we are. Because he is, we can. But it requires us to lean into the fullness of what it means to walk by faith with Jesus. So, so let's, let's move to so what? What do we do with this conversation? So we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. We are people of the resurrection. We are people who can have hope. We can be marked by life and freedom. But we live in a world of brokenness. So how do we, how do, we do that? Well, hear me. The only, the only way that we walk in authority and empowerment and ability is in the identity and the work of Jesus. It's only by Jesus that we can be Easter people in a Good Friday world. Where we can bring life and light into darkness and into places that are marked by death. And hear me. Who Jesus says we are, we are. And there is work for us to be, to be doing. Work that he wants to do in us and through us. When we understand that because he is, we are. Because he is, we can. The empowerment is now. It's not just for something later. It's actually empowerment now. And it's by the Lord who is mightier that that empowerment comes. So let me ask a question that one just want to put in your headspace that you can reflect on this week. Where has God positioned you to live in the power of the resurrection? He has done this. You are positioned somewhere to take a next step in the power of the resurrection. Maybe it's for your own life. Maybe because you have not stepped into relationship with God through Jesus. That's the space that you need to step today. Where you ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord. There's some instructions in your note guide to take that next step. That's where we experience life and the empowerment of a risen Lord. If you've not done that, do it. If you've already taken that step, you're positioned somewhere else to be an Easter person bringing, good, bringing the life and hope of Jesus into the Good Friday realities of others around you. So where has he positioned you to do that? See, we're saved by faith, but that saving faith comes with expressions that are external that lead to his glory in this life. So how, how do the realities of the resurrection play into how you live today? Everything that we are flows out of who he is. At least it should. It, it can. Everything that we are. We can be free. We can be healed. We can be whole. We can be empowered. Everything that we are flows out of who he is. The realities of that first Easter can be realities for us today. The thing that started that first Easter is continuing now because he is. We are. We can. It's this middle space by which we can live in the empowerment. See, we, we are given divine purpose today. We are given access to the power and presence of God. We are his witnesses in this world. We are part of the story of God when we step into relationship with him through Jesus. And as his witnesses, we are positioned to take Easter realities into the Good Friday world. So where are you positioned to step next in the power of the resurrection? Where, where has God positioned you to be an Easter person in this Good Friday world? Maybe it's in a broken relationship. Maybe it's for your neighbor. Maybe you're facing divorce. You've got some addiction in your life that's breaking up your relationship, whatever. Where are you positioned to step in the power of the resurrection? And into fullness of life. Because he is that you can and, and we are. 
through whatever you're facing today, whatever complexity, whatever flooding, whatever brokenness, he knew, he already knows, and he already knows what will be. And we are able to prevail, not because we're able, but because we make ourselves available. So where are you positioned to step next in the power of the resurrection? Whenever you do that, God pours out his spirit. We step and surrender and say, all right, living God, I submit to you. I invite your authority in my life. Work and move. He pours out exactly what's needed. He imparts his power for his purpose. If we'll submit, if we'll step. Where are you positioned to do that? To let him pour out upon you. Where are you positioned to take a next step in the power of the resurrection? Wherever that is, man, I implore you, I beg you to take it. And live in the authority and power of a risen Lord, Jesus. Who not only was and will be, but who is. Who is today. As you process the answer to the question I posed, I want to leave you with the words of the Lord in the book of Joel. This is Joel chapter 2. Starting in verse 28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. My friends, everything we are flows out of who he is. He pours out his spirit for his purpose. Live in the authority and the identity of Jesus, empowered by the same spirit that raised him. He is alive. Because he is, we can, we are. We are resurrection people. Whatever your next step is to live in the power of the resurrection today, take it. And as you process what that next step is, I want to invite you to pray as we step back into worship across our network. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we come before you in the authority and the name and the identity of Jesus, asking that you would move in all power and might. You are mightier, God. You are mightier than any brokenness in our life. You're mightier than any pain, any loss, any complexity, any tragedy. God, you are mightier. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move very specifically in my brothers and sisters, that they would know what their next step is to live in the fullness and the power of the resurrection. To live in the power of the same spirit that raised your son Jesus from the dead. Not, a, not living a half-life, not just living in what was and will be, but living now in the authority and the power of a risen Lord. So speak in these next few moments. Lead and direct. May you be glorified in everything that we say and do. And may we walk in the fullness of being resurrection people. People marked by hope and life. Easter people in a Good Friday world. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.